0: Hannah Trump, and this is Hypocritical, a podcast from box where we discuss security, technology, and compliance news with healthcare industry leaders. breaches and HIPAA fines are everywhere in healthcare. If your organization isn't proactive about protecting PHI, you're only tempting fate. And when it comes to a breach, everything from employee training to how long it takes an organization to notify the HHS is essential. October is Cybersecurity Awareness Month, and there's no better way to celebrate than by discussing this month's PowBox HIPAA Breach Report. Every month, we publish a report that analyzes HIPAA breaches affecting more than 500 people as reported to the HHS. Under the High Tech Act, the HHS Secretary is required to post these breaches to the Breach Notification Portal publicly, or what most people in the industry call the HHS Wall of Shame. Every month, I have Asia Anderson, Callbox Customer Success Manager, join me to discuss the latest report and trends that she's observed over the last month. Hi, Asia. Thank you again for joining me on this special edition of Hypocritical. Could you give our listeners a rundown of the HIPAA Breach Report for this month? Sure. Great to be back. Thanks so much,
1: Hannah. Every month we, we come together and report on this. And almost every month we're talking about network servers being the, the biggest issue, the biggest uh, vector for these attacks And um, once again, we did see that the network servers sort of led the charge in that respect. There were 18 incidences um, that happened with the network servers as opposed to four incidences that happened with desktop computers. But what's interesting this month is... um, the biggest uh, the biggest attack, the biggest the most people affected, happened as a result of an attack on a desktop computer in Alaska with their uh, Department of Health and Social Services. There were over five hundred thousand people that were affected by this. and i was I was interested by this specific case because the issue, the malware was first detected in May this uh-huh. pasta uh, this past may and they delayed like official notification the process where they show up on the health and human services wall of shame um, until just this month because they were doing a criminal investigation but they did make a point of um putting out a press release in may so their customers you know their patients were aware of this as early as the month that it first occurred but it's taken months of them doing this investigation to get to the point where they were ready to formally report it so that was that was interesting it was um I, you know i feel like they did their due diligence um but it's it's crazy to see something that happened in may not show up until our, you know, the numbers review for October. So
0: that doesn't actually surprise me. It happens a lot because um, I mm. don't. I'm not 100 percent positive, but I don't think that there is like a specific time frame that mm-hmm. uh, breaches have to be reported. But something that I also found interesting about this is much like last month, this breach was just 500,000 people. It was a clean number, and it was mm-hmm. 5,001. And all like we talked about. So it'll be interesting to see if this breach number has a less clean number at the end after it is all settled.
1: Yeah, that will be curious. And you know I read their press release and they said that um, none of the data was exfiltrated you know so the people's data was compromised but nobody has their data. So that's mm-hmm. a good that's a good thing. Um, but the, the other crazy thing while I was reviewing uh, this info was I saw that there were a bunch of other attacks that happened specifically in Alaska over the last couple of months. And, you know, no offense, Alaska, but pe- people are not thinking about that being a, a, a place where um, they're going to be under attack. You know, they're kind of they're up there on their own. They they almost kind of seem safe, um, like nobody's going to be paying attention to them. But there's a bunch of stuff that's happened to Alaska in the last um, couple of months. And there was another um, malware incident with the Trojan horse at their office of children's services in July. Um, that was pretty big. So. Um, watch out Alaska. The <laughs> ransomware clearly clearly has you in their their radar. Ransomware and bears. We should warn Hawaii the next the next time he goes to Alaska. That's true.
0: Bears are a real and present threat. They are. Uh, <laughs> do you have any updates about any of the major breaches that we've discussed uh lately? Sure. Uh, pop- Probably not, but let's hear
1: what you have. Yeah. Well, and when I say sure, I mean no. So so we we touched on this last time. Um, I was surprised when I started doing kind of the follow-up research that I wasn't seeing updates on what's happened kind of since. And uh, that may be because there is truly no update. That may be because from a PR perspective, we've moved on and don't want to look back. But when I took a look at... You know, specifically, there there hasn't been a real update since they released their initial patch that solved the problem. But they did also roll out a detection tool um, that their companies can use to determine whether they've been compromised. Um, So that was a nice kind of differentiator when it comes to, like, when you look at the things that people do um, when one of these incidents occurs, typically there's some kind of like free credit monitoring, identity theft sort of protection. But this detection tool is, really cool too. So it's it's good that they did that. And one of the things that came up in the course of this research was that uh, one of the best approaches to prevent the uh, a supply chain attack involves implementing a zero trust model within your architecture. Um, and as you know, that's something that we've recently done and we're pursuing a patent on it. For those who aren't 100% sure what zero trust is, uh,
0: we recently have filed a patent for zero trust email, which is in layman's terms, basically means we don't trust any email coming from any server, whether it's a US-based company or not, because there has been a large number of spam and phishing attempts that have gotten through inboxes recently coming from American companies. So our Mm -hmm. CEO founder, Hawala, decided that we can't trust anything. And so now we have added zero-trust email to Popbox Email Suite Plus Premium and Enterprise. And it's just an extra level of security to stop phishing malware in any sort of... Of other spam attacks coming
1: through specifically for this kind of reason. Exactly. Attacks everywhere. But uh, in terms of the other breaches that we've talked about on previous episodes, again, like no real official updates. I checked the DOJ website on SolarWinds. They haven't sent anything since July. There are no new headlines um, since midsummer on the LinkedIn breach, which affected you know 700 million folks. Um, which brings me to my uh, the most important question I'll probably ask today. Have you changed your password, LinkedIn users? Have you changed your password? Please do that now if you haven't.
0: And to quote uh, my guest from last week, Matt Cooper, "Turn on two-factor authentication for, mm-hmm. for the profiles that you really care about." You know he made a point of like if you're an influencer or if you have a large following on a social profile, then yeah, you probably want to turn on two-factor authentication because it could affect your business. Uh, mm-hmm. Whereas me, I'm just very paranoid, so I have two factor <laughs> turned on for everything because yes. I just you know I don't want people to be in my business. Uh, But I'd like to go ahead and talk about ransomware a little bit. We've been talking about this uh, in almost every episode of the podcast because it really is everywhere ever since the pandemic started. Ransomware has been more prevalent in the news. It's a very hot topic. Can
1: you tell us anything that you've seen in the last 30 days about ransomware? Um, There's been a couple of really big headlines that have caught my eye. One of those was that over the last six months, there's been a 150% increase in ransomware attacks compared to uh, 2020. That's insane. Um, Yeah, totally insane. In fact, um, ransomware attacks are already um, nearly at the total volume of all of the attacks that happened last year. Um, so we're, we still have three months left of this year. We've already outpaced 2020
0: and, uh, Which is shocking. Like that's, that's so many more people affected. It is. Data that people don't even know living somewhere
1: on the dark internet. Exactly. And, you know, as we mentioned before, zero trust architecture is really important, um, because 91.5% of all malware, um, that they're looking at in this specific, um, article arrived over encrypted connection. So that means, Yeah, even if you're trusting that your connection is secure, if you don't have some kind of um, email like a monitoring system, like for instance, FileBox, um, that can actually scan and look at the type of mail that's coming in, categorize it, figure out what should skip your inbox, um, you know, what what will come into your employees' inboxes based on the settings that you've decided. Um, that if you don't have something like that that's actually examining your encrypted. HTTPS traffic, you're missing 9 out of 10 uh, instances of malware.
0: Oh, exactly. And then if you don't add any kind of employee training to that, then you're probably Mm -hmm. missing 10 out of 10. Because it's the human error element will always be there. And unless you are educating your employees, whether they are the CISO or the, the brand new person who's starting on their first day, if you don't educate them constantly as things are changing, look how much ransomware has changed in the last Two years, then
1: you are just opening your company up for a breach that was 100% preventable. Exactly. And it's not, you know, we have to remember that these bad actors, these threat actors are adapting. Mm-hmm. Every single time they send one of these emails and they realize, okay, nobody clicked on that one, they're tweaking it, they're adapting it, they're changing as fast as we are, if not faster. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Making sure that you have these programs in place that can actually analyze the kind of uh, traffic that's coming in is very important, particularly because this, this month, for the first time ever, there has been a lawsuit filed in Alabama that's linking a baby's death to a ransomware attack that happened at Spring Hill Medical. When that happened, the computer systems for the hospital were down for almost eight days. So all patient files were inaccessible. And the lawsuit says that fetal tracing was inaccessible during that time. That um, the normal staffing redundancies that are in place uh, for a fetal unit were, you know, not functioning as usual uh, because of this issue. I think and I read that, it's because everyone was very distracted. There was a lot going on yeah, at the hospital. There was, and it's like it, this is this is one of those like rock and a hard place situations because how do you decide when you tell people this kind of information? You know, do you tell them the fourth day? Of the problem, do you tell them the first day, to the eighth day? Um, and this this mother who so sadly lost her child said, "You know, had I known that this was going on, I would not have come to this hospital." Um, and so I, I can only imagine how difficult it must have been for the um, the folks working in the hospital during that time. Yes, um, and there is no, there's no undo here. There there is no back button. There there's no way to fix the fact that there is now a child. That has died, mm-hmm. um, and so you know. I just kept thinking, when do you, when do you tell people? How do you decide um, when it comes to patient care and and people's lives? How do you make the decision to share what's going on? To me, I kind of see it
0: as a natural disaster, and that could just be because be because I grew up in Houston where there are hurricanes all the time. And it's kind of one of those things where you have to give the early warning sign. But Mm -hmm. a hurricane is not like a data breach because a data breach is very personal and it affects you and people can freak out because they don't understand. So really this just goes back to the public needs a better understanding of cybersecurity and a better education and it's something that i mean you and i could go in a long conversation about this, <laughs> but it's something that should probably be taught uh, like you know basic cybersecurity security education and skills should probably be taught in our public schools and this kind of when a breach happens when do we have to tell the public could be something that could be brought into healthcare laws or something because then it ends up like being solar winds where it's nine months and no one has mm-hmm. heard anything because they're embarrassed and they don't really have to say anything because there's no regulators telling them yeah hey, you have to give the public an update
1: definitely and I have to congratulate Alaska with the way that they handled uh-huh. their situation because the, you know they did within the same um, week let people know that something was going on but then they also put kind of the expectation in place we're gonna go through we have a distinct three step process for how we investigate you know mitigate and recover from Uh this type of thing so they kept people very informed over the last uh couple of months you know this lawsuit is saying that's not how alabama handled it so the other thing that came up in the course of um this research was uh there was a survey conducted or with almost 600 health organizations which included you know hospitals and um various other uh, practices, only 40% of those organizations that were surveyed said that they complete a risk assessment of their third-party vendors prior to signing a contract. What? Only 40%. That's that's a very low number. And then here's the other thing. Over 35% of the people that responded said that when those assessments are done, they're often ignored by leadership. So some folks are going through demotions, but they're not actually putting what they're learning into practice. And again, like you said, there isn't really any federal regulation here. There isn't, you know, there's no kind of watchdog that's Uh keeping an eye on this and forcing folks to comply. And so you have kind of a wild, wild west situation.
0: And I think that also relates back to a conversation that we have a lot in our Zoom social mixers is how do you sell cybersecurity and the real threat of cybersecurity to your Mm C-suite? And so now it sounds like there are C-suites who understand like, we need to do this. This is what is expected of us, but they don't care enough. And that's really what it is, is when you stop caring about it, things start to slip through the cracks and you have a larger vulnerability and you're only opening yourself
1: up to be attacked. Exactly, and with remote work, um, as we've responded to you know the COVID nineteen pandemic, and we've all moved into our homes to do our jobs, we are all insider threats. Mm-hmm. That's just the reality. Mm-hmm. Um, so there are, um, you know, it's Cybersecurity Awareness Month, um, and I'm thinking a lot about how we can protect ourselves, um, not only in the professional context, but also primarily in our homes, since that's where we're working and. CESA actually put together guidance on how to run your own insider risk um, evaluation. And I, I can I have a link that we can include um, maybe in a transcript for folks if they want to take a look at this. Definitely. But um, will you give a small breakdown of it? Oh, absolutely. Great. Um, yeah. So we've mentioned this in the past. Um, anybody that's listening to uh, <laughs> our episodes knows that we are very concerned about you doing a risk assessment um, and you don't have to be a multinational corporation to do that. So this this document that they put together, it's called the Insider Risk Mitigation Program Evaluation, asks you a couple questions and has you analyze, you know, what systems you already have and what you need to create. Um, clearly, it's important to understand what your assets are. You know, what are the physical and um, Less tangible digital assets. What is that your you attack surface? What is your attack surface? Exactly. Um, what's your insider risk policy? Have you developed a policy that one, your employees know about and two, encourages them to come forward? Um, if people are afraid of reporting something that's happened, um, they're afraid about what's going to happen to them, um, they're probably not going to tell you. So um, <laughs> they, may, and they may not even know that you have a policy. So it's really important to. You know, have one, communicate it uh, to your team, and have it be a um, you know a positive sort of program so that people feel it's safe for me to to say what I'm concerned about. Other questions include, you know, do does your org have the capability to prevent and deter different types of risk, um, and do you have employee assistance programs to alleviate the stressors that might lead an employee to act in a harmful manner? I like that one. Humans, yeah, humans are assets. Also, you know, our, our employees should be included in um, an assessment and conversation of what our assets are, and we have to take care of them to make sure that they're working at not only the best of their ability, but also um, that we have their health in our minds and the stress. Yes, your employee, your employees are your number one asset. Anything, any company can
0: go anywhere with the. Perfect employees with employees that are happy and healthy. Mm-hmm. But you're right, you know, and disgruntled employees are ineffective. They don't work well. Yes. They're more likely to do something that is bad or that can put the organization in jeopardy. And going back to your, the second question you posed, which is what is your insider risk policy? Do you even have one? And not mm-hmm. even insider risk. Do you have any kind of risk policy yes. <laughs> or risk strategy? And like you said, do your employees know about it? Because your employees don't know what they don't know. So they don't mm-hmm. know if they are creating a cybersecurity risk or a vulnerability, or if they have seen one and they don't know what it is. Educating your employees, I will. you and I will never stop talking about this. Employee, <laughs> employee education is... The number one step you have to take to prevent any kind of cybersecurity breach, whether it's within your own organization or it is outside your organization.
1: I completely agreed. And people that are, you know, they're stressed out, they're overworked, they're they, they feel that they actually do have people's lives in their hands, they're probably not going to be thinking step by step, ABC, mm-hmm. you know, how do I do, how do I take the most secure actions? Unless, of course, like you said, they've experienced enough education that they know the importance of all of it. I, I mentioned, I, I think uh, last month, it was that my dad was uh, frustrated about having to set up 2FA. Yes, and for his medical records. Yes. And he now, of course, he's done it. And he we've had long conversation about it. And he completely sees the benefit. Um, he's now set that up in a lot of other places uh, for his 2FA, security. people. It's the best. 2FA. I had a customer tell me about... Um, a 2FA initiative they were leading and how they had been working on it for several months. And that most of the employees, like about 60% of their employees, took care of it right away. It was something that they had seen before in other jobs. It it, it wasn't um it wasn't new to them, you know? Mm-hmm. And but then there were longer standing employees who had never done something like this, who felt that it was um. A blocker to them getting their job done in the way that they are used to doing it because it is an extra step. But you know, as as you know, we've we've implemented this within our own organization. <laughs> I was gonna say, I have to
0: log into 2FA
1: into everything and well yes, Every it single is. thing. Well,
0: yes, it is very <laughs> annoying, like the first couple of times you do it, or if you're in a rush, it really just becomes second nature. Like you have to mm-hmm. log, you have to use a password to log into your computer. So why wouldn't you have to use a password to log into your company's website or exactly. your company's, you know, we use Confluence and Has everything that we could possibly know, you know, definitions of words we use, previous strategies. Like, why wouldn't Mm -hmm. you want that information to be password protected? Because it might not mean anything to anyone outside of our organization, mm-hmm. but it is very valuable to us. And I think that's somewhat what organizations don't see when training mm-hmm. their employees is the this is these assets are important to the company, but why should they be important to the employee? Like what does the employee realize why they're important? Because I think as humans, if we realize the important side of things, we're more willing to do things like set up 2FA mm-hmm. or you know, change our passwords when we need to or set stronger passwords or do all of these things that we need to when we understand the importance of it.
1: Yeah, it it, it will become a habit. I understand that it can feel a little bit, you know, it can feel like <laughs> friction when you first get started, but it does become a habit. And, you know, my Google Authenticator is one of my most used apps now. <laughs> it is. It is awesome. I think yeah. maybe after Apple Music, my Google Authenticator is yeah. used the most. After Spotify, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um. You know, I highly recommend that folks do this this risk assessment that CIsa has provided um, but if you if that feels like too heavy of a lift for now, we do have a great article on the blog for five things that can bolster security surprise surprise 2FA is on that list we've already talked about how important a password manager is that's something that you should definitely have enforced for all of your staff you want to back up your systems routinely you want to check you want to do a verification for any kind of wire transfer that's requested mm. like even this this is where zero trust comes in even if you have worked with that organization in the past even if this email looks exactly like every single email you've ever gotten from that organization, Do a verification. If you're spending money outside of your organization, verify it. Do not trust that because you've seen it before, it's exactly the same as it was previously. And then obviously, the the fifth tip would be to use Palbox.
0: (laughs) Yes, but going back to the wire transfer, I Mm -hmm. want to say that I read something and it was maybe... Amazon or Google or some large corporation, some guy tricked them and was just sending them fake invoices and uh-huh. they paid them. Yes. And I just, it just made me chuckle because I was like, haha, of course it's Amazon or whoever it was. It was some large company. And it just made me laugh that even the largest companies, the companies who own like all of the capital in the world, are still getting swindled out of money. So if mm-hmm. they are swindling these large companies out of money, you can guarantee that some prince who is Emailing your grandma is also then going to try to email your organization
1: to get some money out of you. <laughs> Definitely. Well, and even this past month, we saw a situation where where previously most of the ransomware attacks that would come through were to our work emails. Mm-hmm. The the threat actors have now figured out our personal emails. Mm-hmm. Um, since most of us use our personal emails to log into LinkedIn. Social engineering. Exactly, we saw a couple instances of spoofers pretending to be our CEO Huwala coming yes. into our personal emails, which is not where we're looking for that to happen. I think there were like four of us who got emails mm-hmm. all
0: in the same all within the same hour. Yeah, it was uh, and crazy. to talk a little bit more about easy ways to up your cybersecurity. We also have a wonderful blog uh, that one of our writers just wrote for us and it's called Your Cybersecurity Strategy is Probably Lacking because, (laughs) well, it probably is. Um, And inside that blog are also some helpful hints about ways to up your cybersecurity, maybe things you weren't thinking about or small steps that you personally and your organization can take to have a better cybersecurity. And I will link both of those blogs and uh, the CISA. Cybersecurity Awareness Month uh, blog as well in our transcript.
1: Amazing. Yeah. And then, you know, there's always the option of giving your friendly neighborhood account manager a call because yes. um, we we'd love to talk to you about you know risk assessment and threat vectors and all of that kind of stuff. So if you have any suspicion that something weird is happening, you know you've noticed something in your statistics or your mail log, uh, let us know because that's what we're here for.
0: Yeah, or even better, just to plug our Zoom social mixer. If you're in the healthcare or cybersecurity industry and you are looking for email encryption or how to sell cybersecurity to your C-suite, I do hope that you reach out to me and you come and join our next Zoom social mixer on October 28th, where you can really sit and talk to people who are inside the industry, people who are Powbox customers and not Powbox customers, talk about all things cybersecurity and InfoSec and HIPAA compliance and what they're seeing and how that can help you and your organization as well. Yes, please join us. Well, thanks again, Asia, for joining me. Do you have any last minute comments for our listeners? No, just, you know, change your password. (laughs) Thank you so much, Asia, and I'll see you
1: next
0: month. For more information about the Pawbox HIPAA Breach Report or to see any of the data mentioned in this episode, please visit pawbox.com slash blog. As Asia and I mentioned earlier, if you'd like to join our next social mixer, please email me at hannah, H-A-N-N-A-H, at pawbox.com, and I'll get you registered. Attendees bring years of experience and advice from selling cybersecurity to senior management to how one customer has seen a 30% increase in email responses because of Powbox. Powbox Secure is March 23rd and 22nd at the Park MGM in Las Vegas. Head to powboxsecure.com for more information, including hotel booking and speakers. As always, you can listen to every episode of Hypocritical on powbox.com or subscribe via Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Amazon Music, or wherever you listen. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Hypocritical. I'm your host, Hannah Trump, signing off.